Hi, it's Zoe and welcome to episode five of the Project U series. And today we're talking about values. Now, before you roll your eyes and go yada, 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 here we go about values again, because it seems every personal and professional development course you do, you have to talk about values and you end up talking about these motherhood statements. This is not that. This is different. This is through the lens of spiral dynamics. This is through a developmental model that shows how we can evolve and extend our values to be ever more influential, ever more complex. So it's a bit of a journey and it's not motherhood statements that is that, not that by far. <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's get into it. So I've been interested in developmental models from a leadership point of view for, I don't know, 10 years or so, I think. And I first came across it in the work of Suzanne Cook-Grouter and the Leadership Maturity Framework, which is a profiling instrument that I've worked with all this time for the last 10 years, where we look at stages of ego development in terms of how we identify and see ourselves as leaders and our roles in the world. Now, parallel research or parallel frameworks are also developmental. And this one that I'm going to unpack with you today is around values. And uh, it is out of the work of Claire Graves, and it also has a long history. It is a developmental model, just like leadership maturity framework is. First of all, why should you care about this stuff? <laughs> because self-awareness is super important. And when we can see how our values are evolving or not evolving, in our current leadership context, then we can see what else we might consider emphasizing, dialing up or dialing down in order to be more effective in our role and to be more aware and to be able to better respond to complexity. So that's the what's in it for me segue. So on to the particular model. I studied um, the model with complete coherence, which is an organization that offers values profiling and I'm certified to do so now subtle plug there. <laughs> if you want to get your values profile done, talk to me. I can help with that. And it's an, actually an amazing process. Now, I did it with my husband. He was one of my test case bunnies. He's cynical. He's a lawyer. He thinks everything is ridiculous until proven otherwise. So he did his profile and I debriefed it with him and he said, well, that wasn't daft, <laughs> which is high praise indeed. It was fairly arc, um, accurate and it was fairly extensive in its analysis. It gives you an out overview of your set of values in time as we assess them at the current point in time. And then it unpacks it from a personal point of view as well as a professional point of view. And it looks at implementation strategy and management in the sort of sub layers of the values uh, hierarchy. And they change. So depending on which context you can might emphasize different different values over others. And it affects how you interact with others and the results that you get in your role. So it's incredibly insightful and useful. So it's good self-awareness piece. And it's also useful to consider where the other people are around you. That's the second useful piece. And the third piece is what's useful about it in terms of your work. Is your workplace living particular values that are useful in its current context. Okay, so without further ado, a bit more detail, thank you. Spiral Dynamics, it came about through the work of Claire Graves, as I mentioned, 
and his work was built on many other theorists that came before, including Charles Marsden of disk framework fame, if you're familiar with that instrument, and other behavioralists like B.F. Skinner. Here comes a few name drops <laughs> for those who are interested in the research and theory behind this. Uh, after Charles Mar Marsden and Skinner, there was work from Walter Clark, who looked at the different polarities and tensions and patterns in behaviors. And then that led to the work of Gert Hofstede, who surveyed leaders in 53 different countries and looked at different orientations described as power distance, such as collectivism versus individualism, femininity versus masculinity, uh, uncertainty versus avoidance, and so on. From there, Shalom Schwartz uh, also looked at, started really identifying values, and he identified 56 values and 10 types. And this is in his research across 44 countries and 25,000 people. So there is some rigorous analysis uh, in this whole framework. And then Claire Graves worked, worked on it as well. And there's been other researchers like Edgar Schein, Richard Barrett, Daniel Dennison, uh, Dylan Kennedy, O'Reilly, Chapman, and Caldwell. Yeah. So a lot of um, theorists involved in developing this whole notion of the spiral. So what the hell is the spiral? There's a couple of rules that we need to be aware of and mindful when we talk about developmental theory, particularly as it relates to the spiral. Uh, the first one is that there is a natural hierarchy to the values development, just like there's a natural hierarchy as we go from acorn to oak tree. One is not necessarily better than another. There's just different layers of complexity that serve or do not serve your situation. It's a transcend and include model, which means that we start at one stage and we bring those values with us and we can use them and lean on them in particular times. So we don't just pick up a set of values and then drop them later. They are within us and we can activate and make use of them where appropriate. As we evolve and as we grow through the spiral of our values, it is a we swing between individual focus to collective focus and back again. So there's an oscillation between attention to self and attention to others. And it has different amplifications and iterations as we go along. Uh, the other thing we need to know is that every stage or every level has its upsides and its downsides. And it's the downsides that are often the catalyst for further development. Um, the last two points around about the spiral is that 98% of people are in the first six stages of values, what we call tier one, and only 2% are in tier two. So in the later stages I described them, maybe you go, I don't know anybody like that. That's because there's only 2% of the population that have um, profiled as center of gravity from those stages. And the model also holds true regardless of scale. It's true for individuals. Uh, it's true for teams, for divisions, organizations, nations, regions, and indeed for the whole planet. This pattern is a very familiar one. Uh, so you will recognize it across different situations. So that's why it's one of the most useful models we can look to when we're trying to understand what's going on. Why do people think and be and do the way that they, the way that they do? So on to the different levels of the values. And as I go through these, what I want you to do is to have a think about uh, what, what 
what part of those values in that stage resonate with you as something important and also something that you've um, you've experimented with or has been significant to you? The first one should be very significant to you. It's the beige level and it's called survival. And each of these spiral levels has a color affiliated with it and has a particular meaning. So the beige color of the spiral is significant because it references sub-Saharan and subsistence communities or cultures. So people who are living in desert locations with not a lot of mod cons, in fact, hardly any, they are really at subsistence level. Their days are spent hunting, gathering, surviving. And our survival values are integrated with us and we take them with us throughout our developmental journey. Um, how we show up when we are operating from the survival level is from day to day, basically. If we're just getting ourselves food and water and shelter and fornication, if we have energy left over for that. <laughs> Our experience there is all about learning by experience. Um, the downside of the stage is that it's not forward-focused at all. It's just get my immediate needs met and then chill. So there's in terms of development and proactivity, it's not there. It's very reactive. And yet, it makes sure that we get our basic needs met. Typically, in leadership conversations and those listening to this podcast, we move beyond this fairly quickly and not always dealing with this one explicitly and consciously as we go along. The next stage and the limitations of beige cause a developmental surge to the next stage, which is purple. Uh, and the theme of belonging. So once we work out that survival on your own is, is tenuous at best and that it's better with a group, we start to value the sense of belonging, the sense of tribe, the sense of community. And about 10% of the people on the planet are at this stage of, of values development where this is their reality and this is where they operate from. Um, it's about survival of the collective. It's very, when we're center of gravity from here, we're focused on preservation and risk management. Um, we want to just maintain the status quo. We don't like to rock the boat. We want to stay together. It's about safety and security, really, and maintaining um, the norms. And we're highly attuned to threats and um, can sort of react negatively to change. So the value of this particular stage is all about community and connection and safety and uh, looking after one another. That's the beautiful side of it. The downside is that we can become so centered on preserving what is that we lack direction. Uh, so trying something new, going in a different direction is challenging. And we're, we need somebody to lead us if we're gonna go somewhere different. Um, and that's sort of the catalyst for the move to the next stage of values, which is uh, red stage around power, <laughs> around power. And this happens because in our group of tri our tribal group, where everybody's like concerned about maintaining tradition and status quo, if we realize we have to do something different, we nudge someone forward to take on a leadership role. And this is incredibly energizing. So the values of power are all about being a hero, standing out from the crowd, um, making things clear a little bit, leading from the front, driving, um, being competitive, 
uh, being, uh, let me just see, taking charge. The downside of this stage where we had this energizing aspect of power can be hedonism, excesses. It can be way too much passion. Um, it can be, uh, we can take excessive responsibility. I'll be the hero. I'll be the rescuer. And it can lead to narcissism and burnout, basically. It's, um, it's a dangerous stage of leadership and values development that we need to be really extremely careful of. It's where we have rise of passion and enthusiasm and charisma, which can be forces for good. And the downside of those can be dominance and bullying and uh, abuse of power. Phew. And that leads us to the next stage of values growth, which is blue, blue stage, which is about order. So we're swinging away from the individualism of red power to the collectivism again, uh, which echoes the purple stage of order. And order gives comes about because we realize the excesses of our red values. And we want to put some structure and containment around that. So at this stage of values development, we start to look for rules and regulations and process. And we value precision, diplomacy, stability, uh, order in general, basically. And that's the value of it. It creates a very civilized, social, structured, safe society. Now, the downsides, of course, are that we can downplay experimentation and we can um, get stuck here. We can lack innovation. Uh, we be become too rigid and too inflexible in our view of what the rules should be. Sometimes it gives rise to things like fundamental fundamentalism. So out of the stuckness, I guess, or the rigidity of blue order, we swing back to an individual focus and the values that emerge are around wealth. And this is the orange stage of values development. Wealth, from structure and rigidity and process to wealth and abundance. Interestingly, most executives sit uh, here from their values hierarchy. About 30% of the people on the planet are at this stage of center of gravity. And this is all about winning and achievement and results, short-term metrics. It's very pragmatic. So our values are about getting stuff done, focusing on what it takes to win and to progress. Uh, we are interested in feedback loops and measurement and results. Anything that could show us, are we winning? Are we progressing? Um, so there's a huge sense of drive and energy and practicality of it. It's about galvanizing others to create a result with us. So what is the downside? Wealth can lead, an interest in wealth and abundance can lead to avarice, too much consumerism. Um, <clears throat> we can get into thinking of human as resources instead of fellow human beings. And so we can tend to burn ourselves out and burn other people because we're always flogging ourselves in service to producing an outcome. And it can lead to manipulation and exploitation as well. So the downside of this orange stage, this wealth stage, gives rise to the next stage, back to collectivism again, green. And this is the social set of values. And 10% of the population are here. What we find here is um, an interest in humanitarianism, in environmentalism, in everybody being equal. We are anti-hierarchy. And as my uh, 
facilitator once said, this is being anti-hierarchy is in fact a hierarchy. Because when we say no hierarchy is better than a hierarchy, <laughs> that's a hierarchy. One's better than another. So sometimes we can be blind to our pit, uh, blind to our judgments here. So green is all about inclusion and diversity and belonging from a very different point of view. What we value is equal equality and social justice. Our blind spot is that anybody who doesn't think like this, we can be disparaging and judgmental about. Uh, so if you don't believe that everyone's equal, then you're obviously a dimwit and uh, not as advanced. So this judgmentalism can be really problematic. The other downside of it is that because we value equality, there's a huge limiting desire um, to be accepted. So we become hypersensitive. And wanting to include everyone can really slow things down. In fact, they describe it as the green swamp. It's very cloying. And examples of that, and this is a story from Ken Wilbur told of a conference that was held. And one woman in the room expressed a concern that she found clapping intimidating and disturbing. So the conference organizers, operating from a very green social perspective, thought, oh, we don't want her to feel ostracized or uncomfortable. So they made a blanket rule for the conference that after each session, no one would clap. <laughs> so this is about changing the norms for the one and threw out the baby with the bathwater in doing so. Of course, there's value in clapping. It's a social norm. It boosts serotonin etc. And yet we can make these kinds of blanket uh, rules in the desire to be inclusive and yet throw out all the other aspects of what was good that came before us. So that blindness to accepting other ways of doing and being and values from earlier stages as being not evolved enough or not accepting enough can be actually a hindrance. And from this, um, that was the first four stages of the spiral. I think that was right, beige and purple and red and blue and orange and green. Yeah, that's right. First six stages are known as tier one. Now we move into the last two stages of values development that are considered tier two, where only 2% of the population sit. And the next stage emerging out of the cloying limitations of green is yellow. And yellow is all about innovation. And this is a swing back to individual focus again. And here, about 1.5% of people profile a center of gravity at yellow. And this is a very cerebral kind of stage of values. It's all about loving complexity and um, understanding complex systems and creating new big picture concepts. So we can get really stuck in our head here. Uh, we like to look at the big picture, the long-term effects, and we can be non-traditional. Um, we can explore paradox. We love those kind of mind-baffling things where this and that look like opposites and yet support each other. So polarities and paradox are really quite interesting to us. And we love operating in volatility and uncertainty. We love the, the fuzziness of the edges around that. So what can be limiting for us here is that we can be seen as a bit too cerebral, too distant, too uncaring, because we're more concerned about the bigger picture that we may forget to connect with people at the earlier stages. So that can be quite a challenging uh, thing. And out of this negative aspect, or this uh, downside, I should say, 
we merge into the turquoise stage, which is all about system balance, balance. And it's a move back to a collective, but a collective that's expressed in a very different way. And less than 5.5% of the population has center of gravity from turquoise. What's interesting about this stage is it's all about in service to the greater whole. There is an excess humility here. Um, we realize that we are part of a system and in service to it. So our ego gets dialed down considerably. Unfortunately, this can seem, we can seem difficult to access. We can appear as baffling because we are looking at such huge time horizons and system transformations that we may say, oh, maybe the best thing is to do nothing, <laughs> to let things unfold. And this can be seen as like, come on, uh, not galvanizing enough. And those folks who have this as their center of gravity probably aren't usually in an organization. They're more part of a movement. They're, they're really focused on big picture social change, transformative change at an evolutionary um, level. So one of the challenges for us, if we're sitting at this stage, is that, yeah, being grounded and making it practical can be our challenge and translating our vision into something accessible for folks at earlier stages of values development uh, is, is super important. So there we have, we have a very quick whirlwind tour of the spiral of values development. And you can see as I, or you can hear as I talk through each of these stages, which ones seem relevant and important to you and which ones might you need to adapt and amplify in order to move your work forward. I'd love to hear your comments on this. Um, there, I'll put some resources in the show notes about the spiral where you can read a little bit more about it. And if you want to get your, your values profile done and debriefed, you can reach out to me and we can arrange that too. All right. Hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, until the next time, lead well, live well. <laughs>